This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you. God bless you. God bless America, huh? And you pray for our nation. Yeah. Good Lord. I, I welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand real high and our ushers would put the Word of God in your hand. I, I highly advise you to get into the Bible again. One of my favorite sayings is you get in the Word, or God will get into you. And so I still welcome that. Once you get a Bible, go with me to book of Isaiah chapter 59. We are still uh, in our series on the fear of the Lord. And today you're going to get a little taste of an area of the fear of the Lord that you may have not ever seen within the Bible. So it will be a wake-up call. Again, you're going to Isaiah 59. As you're going there, Moses said in Exodus 20, he said that the fear of God would be a deterrent to sin. Better stated, the, the reverence to God would spur me from getting involved in sin. So I believe that's very true, and that's one of the reasons I, I think we really, really need to speak on the fear of God and I think today there'll be some things that'll be answered to you on these lines. So we begin in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, it's not weak, it's not been amputated, that it cannot save. God still can save. Nor is his ear heavy, dull or deaf, that it cannot hear. So what's the problem? Verse 2, but your iniquities, your prolonged sin have separated you or cut you off from your God, and because your sins they've hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now if we read this correctly here, God's not the problem. We're the problem. Because of our iniquities and our sins in our lives. And so we keep reading here. For your hands are defiled with blood. Pretty good description of the society we live in. And your fingers with iniquity are filth. Your lips have spoken lies. And your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls or speaks for justice. Nor does anyone plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive trouble or evil, and they bring forth or it births iniquities. So when I read this here, I believe it's a, a way that reveals the lack of the fear of God that we have in our society, but even more so within the church. And I don't say any of this, this lightly here, because the Bible's very clear that We've cut off God from doing what he desires to do. But we can come back to the things of God. We can repent and we can return to God. And so my prayer is today that God would move within our hearts and that there would be a, a form of the fear of God that would be dispatched in every one of our hearts. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5. And let's go a little deeper here. Deuteronomy 5. If you've been here in the last few weeks, we've been in Deuteronomy 6. But we'll, we'll begin Deuteronomy 5, verse 23. And this is 40 years of Moses being involved in this. 
And so verse 23 says, So it was, when you heard the voice from the midst of darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. You, you came near to me. You, you made room for me. And off the little phrase here, you came near to me, this is James 4, 8. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And I believe that's God's heart still to this day, that if we choose to draw near to him. Verse 24, and you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with men, yet he still lives. In other words, God, God allows mankind to come into his presence and they can still live. Interesting thoughts. Verse 25. Now, therefore, why should we die? This is what the Israelites said. Why should we risk dying? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of our Lord God anymore then we shall die. So you know what they just said? I don't want to risk getting into the presence of God. I don't want to get into the glory of God. I don't want to die. Verse 26. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of fire as we have and we've lived? You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear it and do it. So the Israelites say to Moses, we're not going in there. You go in there. You be the mediator between us and God. God will tell you and then you tell us. But God wants to tell me and you. He wants to become very personal with us. So when the Bible says we draw near to God, God's desire is that for every one of us. Verse 28. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of these people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all they've spoken. Now I wonder if Moses is thinking here, what? They're right in what they've spoken? They're right that if they get into your presence, they'll die? If they come into your glory, they'll die? How can this be right? Verse 29, oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me. That their hearts would be inclined to reverence me, to respect me. So the word of God reveals real quick right here, the reason the Israelites wouldn't go into God's glory, into his presence, is because they lacked the fear of God. They didn't respect Him. They didn't stand in awe of Him. And in verse 29, right after the lack of the fear of the Lord, it says, and, and what? And always keep all my commandments. Always keep all of my commandments. So there's two things right here that God makes very clear. It is impossible to draw near to God if I don't respect him and reverence him. And the evidence or the proof of, of when I fear God 
is that I obey God. Now let me highlight what he said here. Always keep all of my commandments. All of them. But I think what begins to happen to us is, as humanity or society, we like to pick which commandments we like. I like 1, 3, and 5, but I hate 2, 4, and 6. But it's interesting, he said here, keep all my commandments. See, we have the thought, I can talk the talk, I can look the part, but I have no fear of God. And when it comes to the Word of God, do, do I view the Word of God as punishment? As Do I view the Word of God as this dictator? See, here's the thing that I believe that will give me and you insight of how we view the Word of God. Do I view the Word of God as a restriction or do I view the Word of God as a delight? I view it as a delight. The Word of God, man, when I obey the Word of God, my life becomes so, so blessed. And that's something when we must answer. Do I view God's Word as a restriction to what I want to do, or do I delight in the Word of God? Keep reading with me. And why is this so important? That it may be well with them and with their children forever. Now, if you note in that, it says, it might be well with you. You know what the word might is? The word might is a condition. It is conditional. When I fear God, and the fear of God is taught in my home, and my children are taught to honor the word of God, it'll be well with me. Does anybody in here not want your life to be well with you? If that's you, raise your hand, because I want to pray for you right now. You need help. God wants our life to be well with us. Verse 30. Go and say to them, return to your tents. Now this had to be heart-wrenching for Moses to hear this. Go return to your tents. You know what God said? Go on back home. Why would God tell them that? Because they didn't want to draw near. They didn't want to listen to the things of God. Verse 31. But as for you, Moses, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which you shall teach them. And not only will you teach them, that they may serve them in the land which I'm giving to them to possess. Therefore, you shall be what? Careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord God has commanded you. Why is this important? That you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Now when I read what he says there in this last verse, that you may live, that it may be well with you, that your life would be prolonged on this earth. We're all like, I like that promise right there. I desire that promise right there. But I think what begins to happen is we don't want God at full price. We want the clearance, God. You know, Lord, I'll take 25% off. I'll take 50% off. I'll take the God that's 75% off. 
God's not that way. God wants every bit of our heart. But how many of us in here treat God like a convenience store God? God, you're just like 7-Eleven. You're just like Circle K to me. You're just like stripes to me. What do I mean by that statement? We pop in and we pop out. We like God when it's convenient for me to like God. But what would happen if I said, Lord, put your whole heart in me. Put your desires within me. I, I want to live for you, and I desire that the things of God happen in my life. Now, go with me back into the New Testament to the book of Acts, chapter number 4. And you're going to see a different side of the fear of God maybe than you've ever seen. Now, most of you probably read this passage, but it's going to come out and come alive to you today. So as you're turning to Acts 4, if you desire the praise of man, you will fear man. Because you will fear what you serve. And you will fear man if you, fear, if you look to man. You'll serve whomever you fear. Now you're going to see this big here this morning. You're going to serve whoever you fear. So we begin here in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Actually, verse 32. Now the multitudes who though believed, these are believers, these are born-again Christians, were of one heart and one soul. They were united. The word united has the meaning to be in tune or to be in sync. Unity is big. doesn't matter if it's within the church. It doesn't matter if it's within your marriage, where you work. Remember in Psalm 133.3, it says the place of unity where God commands the blessing. So they're in unity. Neither did anyone say that any of these things he possessed were his own, but they all had things in common. And with great power. With great dunamis. When you get power, you get the Holy Spirit. This is in reference to the Holy Spirit. Now, when we go through this passage here, you're going to see the Holy Spirit is woven throughout Scripture. The need of the Holy Spirit is very important to this day. So he says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Nor was there any among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them, and they brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, or better named, was Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated, Son of Encouragement. His nickname was Son of Encouragement. That's an incredible nickname. Some of us had of a nickname, but it wasn't son of encouragement. It was son of a billy goat, son of a bendigo. But his nickname was son of encouragement. Now, this is the same Barnabas that if you study the apostle Paul's life, this is him, okay? So this guy's name or nickname is son of encouragement. And it says he was a, a Levite. Now, this was the Levitical priesthood of the tribes. 
These are the ones that did the duty within the temple, okay? And so it says he was a Levite of the country or the island of Cyprus. Now the Bible doesn't just throw things in there to take up space. When you study the island of Cyprus, they had all kinds of natural resources. This guy named Barnabas, this Levite, was a blessed, blessed person. So look what he does. And having land, he sold it and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now sometimes this is difficult for people to do because we want to honor God with our money, but you got to lay it at the feet of man. But God sees what you do. He sees every bit of it. And it's very similar to you go to work many days and you work for a human being. But even though I work for a human being, God sees what you do at work. God watches everything we do from our money to our work. Now get ready. This is where it's get interesting. Verse 5, but. That verse or that word but is a continuation of chapter 4. So we go into chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, they sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So what happens here with Barnabas' gift it stirs something within Ananias and Sapphira. It, it causes them to say, I don't want to be outdone. Now evidently, Barnabas has become the talk of the church. And so what happens here is, is Ananias and Sapphira, they sell this piece of property and they bring this offering to the church. The problem is, is they wanted everybody to think what they were giving was the full amount. But it wasn't the full amount. Even though they wanted to make it appear like this is what they're doing. Verse 3. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Uh-oh. Uh oh. The Holy Spirit reveals this to Peter. And Peter realizes that Ananias is trying to pretend or deceive people. And it's interesting right here that the Word of God says, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Even though you may be filled with the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean you'll be exempt from temptation. It's one thing to lie to man. It's a whole other thing when I begin to lie to God. And so what goes on here is Ananias and Sapphira, they were more concerned with the, uh, the praise or the applaud of man than they were pleasing God. They wanted this reputation to look this way. But again, God sees everything that we do. 
Keep reading here. And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? Question mark. And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Question mark. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. Now, it wasn't wrong for them to take some of the processions or the precedes and keep them themselves. What was wrong was they lied to God about what they were doing. And God exposed them. Again, when you see this, if you desire the praise of man, you will fear men, and who you fear, you're going to serve. Now watch what happens. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. I bet. Verse 6. And the young men arose and wrapped him up in a sheet and carried him out to be buried. I'm going to walk you through this just a little bit. Ananias shows up to the church. And he brings his tithes and offerings. He gets his seed envelope out. And he puts it at the feet of the disciples. And Peter realizes he's in deception. And the Bible says, right there, he dies. Pastor Stormy is dead. He's dead. The doors open. The pallbearers come in. They wrap me up in a sheet. And off he goes. And they take me to the back parking lot and they bury me. You know what's interesting? No one says a word. No one says a word. Verse 7. Now it was about three hours later. Don't, don't ever complain about how long I preach, okay? These guys are in church for three more hours. Three hours. Three hours later, when his wife Shelly came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered and said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And Shelly said, yep, that's it. Then Peter said to it, how is that you have agreed together? Matthew 18, 19, the prayer of agreement. When two agree on anything, and he brings this up, he said, how do the two of you agree together to test who? The Spirit of the Lord. I don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe you ought to start. Because he's very active in every bit of this. To test the Spirit of the Lord. The feet of those who've buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Next. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came and found her dead and carried her out, buried by her husband. And the choir tuned up and said, another one bites the dust. <laughs> hey, hey, and another one's gone, and another one's gone. 
See, we can laugh about that, but I look and I think, could this define me? Could, could this describe me? Because my sacrifices are useless if they're for the approval of man instead of the approval of God. Why am I doing why I'm doing? Again, it's not just what I do, it's why I do it. What's the heart behind the issue? Watch the result here in verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. A powerful sense of fear of the Lord, a mega fear. And know what that said. It didn't say it came upon the city. It said it came upon the church. This happened in the church. Now you can say, oh me or oh my. This is in the New Testament. I would be willing to bet it changed the entire way people gave from then on. Oh, dear Jesus. Oh, dear Jesus. I'm going to put this down. I reverence you and I respect you. So when I read this here, does this call a, a, a holy order, a holy fear to be restored in my life and yours? In other words, is this a wake-up call? Could this be me? Could how I do things be, be jolted right here? Because it brings the motive of my heart to inspection, not only before God, but in my own life. It's not just what I do, it's why I do it. But I thought, I thought God was a God of love. He is. I thought he's a God of mercy and grace. He is. And we love to be taught about the love of God and the mercy and the grace of God. But what about the fear of God? What about living a holy life? Now, I'm going to end with this. Go with me way back in the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, when I come in here Sunday morning, I, I've been days in Scripture reading this stuff. And when I read this, I don't read this to scold you. I read this in my own life and I think, oh my gosh, could this identify me? If we were truthful, let me ask you this question because I'm going to be very transparent on this. Have you ever brought a gift to tithe or offering before God in an irreverent manner? I have. I, I really didn't have much of a thought about it. Could it be we just go through the motions and we do it? But what would happen if this birthed something within us where you're like, Ooh, Father God, I reverence you. I respect you, even with the way I give. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 14. 
as obedient children. The Amplified says live as obedient children. Not conforming, not molding or shaping yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. You know what I believe this is saying? Grow up. Grow up spiritually. Do you know the Apostle Paul talks about that? He said, you know, many of you are still on the bottle. You're 61 years old, but you're still on the bottle. Can you imagine how crazy that would look for me to be standing up here right now with a pacifier in my mouth? But spiritually, I wonder if that's how we look. Spiritually, I wonder if some of us are in Ms. Dora's pre-K classes down here and those little bitty blue chairs, you're sitting in that blue chair and you're 61 years old. We'd look and say, what's up with him? Aren't you a little big to be in there? Aren't you a little old to be in there? But see, I wonder if this is what he's not telling us. As in your ignorance. Now, I didn't call you ignorant, okay? Peter did. Peter said, you're ignorant. And you know what? There's times in my life I've had to say, I'm ignorant. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Now, we have to define what the word holy means. It means to be separated. It means to be set apart. It means to be dedicated to God. Holy. Now listen, you're not going to become holy without the Holy Spirit. It says his name implies he's the Holy Spirit. So the more I welcome him into my life, the more holy I'm going to become. I need you, Holy Spirit. Now look at his word in here. You be holy in all your conduct. Well, what's my conduct have to matter? Evidently a lot. You know what the word conduct means? In your behaviors and your mannerism. So evidently the way I live is a big deal to Father God. Hmm. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Verse 17. And if you call on the Father... When I get in trouble, I call on God. When there's a 911, I call on God. How many of you in here, when life gets tough, you call on God? When all hell breaks loose, I call on God. Move, God, move. God's not against us doing that, but watch what he says. Who without partiality judges according to each one's work. God is the helper. But God is also the judge. And look what he says. Without partiality, he will judge according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here. There's that stinking word conduct again. How? How? In fear. Fear has a sense of reverence 
So when I live with the reverence from the Lord, it will begin to work in my conduct. It will begin to change and say, Woo, I want to please God. How many of you growing up, you would do stuff outside of your mom and dad's presence that you would never do in their presence? Yes, pastor, that's me. But what about Father God? Remember, He's the God that sees everything I do. Everything. Not only what I do, He sees the why behind the what. Who, Lord, I begin to say, help me. Help me, Father God. I, I, I need help. And so I rewind everything we've talked about. Remember in Isaiah 59, the issue was they didn't fear God. And because they didn't fear God, they didn't obey His commandments. Would that describe me? Would that describe you? And then I go back to the area of my giving. I mean, I've read Acts into 4 and Acts 5 over and over again, but something began to happen in this right here that God took notice. And what about holiness? Could you, could you use an upgrade in your holiness? I know I can't. I'm telling you, I'm like, oh my goodness, Father God. Who do you live for? The applaud of man or the applaud of Father God? Why don't you stand up here with me? Just bow your head. Oh, Father God, we stand before you today. A holy God. The all-knowing God. The God who created every one of us. And Father God, if there's areas of my life that are out of alignment with your heart, we stand before you today. Some of you may just have a tire out of alignment. You know what happens when just a tire is out of alignment? That a tire impacts the other three tires. And I don't know if you've ever had to get a new tire or a set of tires because one of them was out of alignment and it raw, made it uh, where it had no tread on the inside. See, that was what happens to our lives. Even if it's just a little thing that's out of alignment. And remember he said, because of your iniquities and your sins. I don't save. I don't hear anymore. And so I, I really believe this with all my heart right now. What would happen if we just took a little time here to get our hearts right with God? How do we do that? 
we repent. And I welcome you right there. Right there where you're at. Father God, we stand before you right now. And the areas of my life, they're out of alignment. The sin and the iniquities. Father God, whether it's the lust of my eyes or the lust of my flesh or the pride of life, Father God, I take full responsibility for my choices, my actions, and my behaviors today. And I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. Ooh, I thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you. What about the holiness of God, the fear of God? I don't want to just go through the motions. You know, back to the story of Acts 5. When Ananias died, no one said a word. When Sapphira died, no one said a word. You know why? Because I believe the people in the church there, they knew our God doesn't play games. I thank God God doesn't play games. So as our team gets ready to sing right here, I, I welcome you to come forward and just come to these altars and pour your heart out to God and say, Father God, I, I need a fresh anointing of holiness. I need an upgrade of holiness in my thought life, in my eyes. I, I welcome you to set me apart. I, I welcome your fear and your integrity to come on the inside of me right now. And Lord, that you would grace me in my conduct. Grace me. And so as they sing, I, I welcome you just to respond to God right now. Go ahead. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.